Take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter number 15. Two hundred eighty years ago, this past Wednesday, April the 13th, 1742, George Frederick Handel's most lasting work, The Messiah, debuted. We normally think of that as a Christmas time celebration, but it was originally performed for Easter. This work walks through the scriptures going from Old Testament prophecies regarding the birth of Christ to the announcements of the angels, Christ's birth, his death, his resurrection, and ultimate glorification. To compose the Messiah, Handel took 84 verses of the scripture from 29 different chapters to complete the project. The passage that we will be looking at this morning, 1 Corinthians 15, as a shock to myself, maybe to you, is the passage that Handel used the most. 12% of the Messiah came from 1 Corinthians 15. As we look at the importance this morning of the resurrection, why we're here, the blessings that it has. In this chapter, Paul gives a very thorough defense of the resurrection, starting with the fact that the resurrection was told. Christ died according to our sins, according to the scriptures. He was buried. He rose again according to the scriptures. He then provides over 500 eyewitnesses and in the Jewish custom and law of the day, you only need two witnesses, but Paul provides over 500. And then he concludes the chapter, a rather lengthy portion, with an extended argument for the importance of Christ's resurrection. We celebrate today the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. And sometimes we get so caught up in the fact that Jesus Christ is alive, we may miss the point of, well, what does the resurrection mean to me on a daily basis? As I go throughout my Christian life, Christ isn't just alive on Easter when we celebrate it, but he is alive every day. So how should that impact and influence me on a daily basis. And we're going to spend some time in this passage this morning looking at this. We'll begin our reading in verse 12. And we'll read down through verse 34. Where Paul writes, Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some of among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead... Then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain? And your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if it be so that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. 
And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward they that are Christ's at his coming, then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. For he hath put all things under his feet. But when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted, which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. Else what shall they do which are baptized for the dead, if the dead rise not at all? Why are they then baptized for the dead? Why stand we in jeopardy every hour? I protest by your rejoicing which I have in Christ Jesus, our Lord, I die daily. If after the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantageth it me if the dead rise not? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. We see from this passage first this morning, verses 12 through 19, the resurrection of Christ provides a hope for us. And Paul begins this argument by assuming the negative. Okay, let's just say Christ hasn't risen. If Christ died for our sins only, and he did not raise, what does that mean for us? Well, if Christ is not risen, our preaching, verse 14, is vain. It's empty. It's futile. Purposeless. The resurrection is the very essence of the gospel that Paul gives in verses 3 through 4. Our preaching is vain when we share the gospel, the good news with others. It's pointless. If Christ is not risen, our faith is vain. Why would we believe a God who's a liar? Christ himself prophesied that he would be raised the third day. But if he's not raised, then he is a liar, and why should we put our trust in him? If Christ is not raised, verse 15, we are false witnesses because we are proclaiming the death, burial, and resurrection. We're proclaiming the words of a liar. 
Christ is not raised, verse 17, we are still in our sins. We have no hope, no forgiveness, no salvation, no spiritual regeneration. If Christ is not raised, those who have already died, having their hope in a liar, have no hope. Having a faith that has no foundation, a faith grounded on a lie. If Christ is not risen, verse 19, we of all men are most miserable. Why should we strive to follow the words of one who teaches us to deny ourselves if those are the words of a liar? We have a false hope that would lead to pointless persecutions and sufferings that we wouldn't have to go through. And all of that would be true if Christ was not raised, if Christ is not alive. Verse 20, but now Christ is risen. Amen. Because he is risen, all of those negatives become positive. Because Christ is risen, our preaching, the good news of the gospel that we share to others, has a purpose and it has a point. Because Christ is risen, our faith has a sure foundation that we can cling to during the storms of life. Because Christ is risen, we are not false witnesses, but true. Because Christ is risen, we are no longer trapped in our sins, but we can have that forgiveness. Those who have already gone before us, who have died, having their faith in Christ are with our Lord and Savior at this moment. We are not most miserable. The resurrection of Christ first provides a hope for us. But his resurrection secondly provides a pattern. Christ is risen from the dead and he has become the first fruits of them that slept. This is an allusion to the feast of the first fruits. After the Sabbath of the Passover, the Hebrews were to bring a sheaf from the first fruits of their crop. A symbol of there is more that God is going to bless us with coming, but we're going to give this first bit to him. Acknowledging that all come, came from God. Christ is the first fruits. Not that he is the first to have been raised. As we see, Christ himself has raised Lazarus. Peter has raised some. Elijah, as we looked at uh, several weeks ago, has raised from the dead, people from the dead. Christ isn't the first, but all those who have already been raised, they have already perished again as well. But Christ has not. And the pattern by man came death, going all the way back to Genesis where God commands Adam and Eve to eat of any of the trees in the garden except the fruit, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The day that they eat of that, they will surely die. By man came death. Verse 22, we see Adam. In Adam, all died. Paul puts it this way in Romans chapter 5. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin... So death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And that's the normal pattern. 
But Christ is risen from the dead. Since by man came death, by man also comes the resurrection. Thinking back to the words of Christ in John eleven twenty five, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Everyone in his own order. First Christ, then those who are his at his coming. Christ's resurrection provides a pattern. It provides a hope for us. But thirdly, Christ's resurrection provides for us victory. As we see Paul talking about coming to the end, the end of times, that when Christ will have delivered up the kingdom to God, when he shall have put down all rule, all authority, and all power. You know, it's easy to look around the world, to turn on the news and see that things are not pleasing God, to put it nicely. To see politicians raising their fists in God's face. To see common people going and just, God is dead, there is no purpose. And it can become easy to watch the news or to listen to the news, and it can become easy to get discouraged. But because Christ has risen, all of that power, all of that authority will be subdued to him. As Paul puts it in Philippians chapter 2, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Christ's resurrection provides victory. Verse 26, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. If you go to the end of the chapter, verses 54 through 57, Paul writes, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, Where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. When we go to a funeral, someone who is a believer, yes, we sorrow. And yes, we mourn. But we also recognize that that individual is with Christ. Because Christ has conquered death. Christ has conquered sin. Christ's resurrection gives us the power to have victory in our daily living. Thanks be to God, he writes, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So therefore, verse 58, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of our Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. As we go through life, there are times where we will sin, where we will fall, where we will stumble, where we will disappoint Christ. And instead of getting down on ourselves, we can be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding. Why? Because Christ has given us that victory already. And Christ's resurrection provides the victory Provides hope for us, provides a pattern, but third and finally, Christ, or fourth and finally, Christ's resurrection provides a purpose for us. Verse 29, Paul asks, you know, if there's no resurrection, going back to the negative, 
What's the purpose of baptism? Why do we do it? And when we think of baptism in 21st century America, okay, somebody gets baptized. No big deal. But Paul's original audience, as they would have received this, if someone would have been publicly baptized, publicly proclaiming that their faith is in Jesus Christ as Savior, particularly in Jewish society, that person would be dead to their family. That person would be putting a mark on themselves, and others would avoid them. Paul says, what's the purpose of publicly proclaiming that we are a follower of Christ if there's no resurrection? What's the purpose of the persecutions we go through? You know, why should I fight with the beast at Ephesus? Why should I give my body to suffer, to go through pain and agony? And if you look in 2 Corinthians 11, as Paul lists all of the persecution that he has gone through, Five times he received 40 stripes save one. Three times beaten with rods. Stoned. Three times shipwrecked. A night and a day in the deep. In journeyings often in perils of water. Perils of robbers. Perils by his own countrymen. Perils by the heathen. Perils in the city. Perils in the wilderness. Perils in the sea. Perils among false brethren. In weariness and painfulness. Watchings often in cold and nakedness what's the point why go through all of those things if there is no resurrection you know skip the whole persecution part i'm just going to eat drink and be happy because tomorrow is i'm going to die that's it but christ's resurrection provides a purpose as we are baptized publicly identifying with him as we go through persecutions and suffering, recognizing that he himself suffered for us. And then as we close, what, what's the total point here, Paul? What, what's the purpose of the resurrection? How can I apply it on a day-to-day -day basis for myself? Verse 33 and 34, be not deceived. Our purpose as Christians, be alert. Be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners. As we can make it an American analogy, one bad apple spoils the bunch. Or a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Those that we associate with influence and affect us in the same way we can influence and affect them. But Paul's warning us as Christians, because Christ has raised from us, because Christ is alive, as Christians, be careful how we live our lives. Be alert. But secondly, be awake. Awake to righteousness and sin not. And the idea of awaking, awakening to righteousness has the idea of awakening up out of a drunken stupor. Sober up and sin not, is what he's saying. Be alert. Be vigilant in our Christian lives on a daily basis. Why? Because Christ is risen. Because as followers of him, we should be living for him. 
Awake to righteousness and sin not. For some have not the knowledge of God, and I speak this to your shame. We don't have the time to look at it this morning, but you look through the book of 1 Corinthians and the number of different sin issues that Paul has to publicly call out. Church at Corinth, you're living your lives not for Christ. And when we don't live in the light of the resurrection, our testimony to the world that is out there that is watching us is gone. Many have not the knowledge of God. Are we living in the light of his resurrection? Are we being alert? Are we awake? Are we living for him? Yes, Christ died for us, but more importantly, Christ lives for us. Let's live for him. Father, we thank you that you sent your son to die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. But we thank you that he did not stay in that cold stone tomb. We thank you that his power was demonstrated through the resurrection that we celebrate today and that he is alive and that he is living for us. Father, we thank you that the resurrection provides hope for us provides a pattern that we can follow because of the resurrection we have victory but also we have purpose father i ask that you would just be with each of us as we dwell on the truths of your son's resurrection today may we seek to live for him each and every day in our lives we ask these things in his name amen